game is so beautiful, you know? Come play. Flip the page, Dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Trade list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So this is it, you wanna learn the game. 101 pick, when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid, read this pamphlet called the Dynasty Owner's Manual. It's automatic, D Dynasty, it's automatic, Owner's Manual, it's automatic, D Dynasty, it's automatic, and here are your authors, Chris Allen and A Adam Wildey. Okay, everybody, and welcome back. This is now the signature episode 10 of the Dynasty Owners Manual podcast. Uh, I'm your host, as you heard on our wonderful intro track. I'm Chris Allen. I'm joined once again with another great guest. We've got Tyler Gee in with us today. And Tyler, we've spoken before on the, the F3. No, it wasn't the F3 podcast. What did we do? The open bar or open mic, rather? Yeah. Yeah, a few weeks open, back. Open bar. Yeah, that was a that was a ton of fun. But here we're here to talk with you tonight about some of your work with F3 Pod and also uh, FFstatistics.com, which we have a couple of announcements regarding them, like here shortly. So we're definitely going to get into some talk about that particular venture tonight. But I uh, wanted to also talk with my partner in crime, Adam Wildy. So Adam, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Everybody get in with us. I appreciate you tuning in. And if you've been with us before, you've heard us talk about FF Statistics basically every episode since Addison Hayes came on. He's been doing some great work. So what we've done with Addison is we've actually got into a bit of a marketing venture together. So we're now partnering with FF Statistics. What's cool about that is that Addison just put together a project with Ryan McDowell that I won't get into because I want you to go check it out. But after mentioning Ryan McDowell, he's invited me onto the Dynasty Blueprint next week to... Uh, plug dynasty owners manual so lots of fun exciting stuff coming up and uh we really appreciate you tuning in yeah i think i'm really looking forward to one your spot on ryan's podcast and two uh, getting to work with addison a bit more uh, just for point of reference i'm working on a profile piece for four for four on deshaun watson and i was pulling all the stats and like all the information i could in terms of how i could compare his performance uh, historically, and then also to some of the quarterbacks that were also really performing well throughout 2017. So shout out to Addison for having a huge site that's capable of pulling a ton of different metrics and whatnot. So I thought it was a, a huge help for me in order to kind of sift through some of the data and pull out some you know, some of the numbers that I needed for that. But we're here to talk with you, to Tyler, and can you give us a quick background on some of the work that you did for, for FFstatistics.com? Because I know you had uh, at least a, a hand in some of the work that went into the website. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate it, guys. Th uh, thanks for having me on. Um, with FF Statistics, Addison was always kind of a guy I talked to a little bit, and uh, Addison and me kind of always batted back ideas here and there. And I, I actually have a master's degree in math, so I know a little bit about numbers. I just don't play around with numbers as much as I should. You know, I run the fantasy football franchise, so if you're not listening to us, you need to. Uh, we we like numbers there too. I think our whole episode is just numbers. We're we're big into the whole phrase of prove it. I, I think this guy's going to do it. Okay, prove it. Tell me why you think that. You know, 
But no, so, uh, you know, FF Statistics was growing and it just kind of got off the floor and it was fantastic. And so I, I talked to Addison and I said, hey, man, I've been sitting on something for a while. And I said, I really uh, haven't had a chance to really talk to anybody about it. I actually approached the fantasy footballers with it, talking about how to use it for making tiers, using your project- projections to make tiers. But what I did was I took a statistic term that's been around for a while. It's called a Z-score. And I patent it with um, fantasy football points. And I think it makes for some really interesting trend lines. I think it makes some really interesting information about age. And I think it also is really, really good for making projections for people in the future and that type of stuff. So when I talked with Addison about it, and I would encourage folks to go back and listen to our episode. Uh, I forget which episode number it was. I think it was episode seven, if I'm not mistaken. But I would encourage yeah, folks to go back. Seven. Yeah, I would encourage folks to go back and listen to that particular episode when we spoke with Addison because I thought that was... I mean, a very fascinating application of statistics and fantasy football. So a huge shout out to you, Tyler, for putting that together and kind of making it into a a metric that once I saw it, I was like, well, this absolutely makes sense. I mean, it gave me flashbacks to stats class, but at the same time, it's like, I get this. I can, I can totally get behind the methodology and how we can use it for fantasy football. So Kind of shifting it forward, uh, we wanted to talk with you tonight about uh, another idea that you had. Both Adam and I, we saw the Twitter thread that you had on comparing Redraft ADP against Dynasty ADP. And could you walk us through the methodology, or at least how you came up with that particular idea for doing something like that? Well, I mean, I don't think I'm the first one to come up with, because as soon as I tweeted out, there was a couple of people that showed uh, showed a few graphs, and I wish I could shout them out. The only thing that I had was that sometimes graphs can be really good to open up our eyes as to what we need to see, but sometimes graphs can also take away from what we need to see. And I I liked just more of a simpler way of looking at it. And so basically what we did was we just decided to say, hey, let's take Dynasty ADP and subtract Redraft. And the reason why we did this, you're like, well, why do I care? I'm a Dynasty player. Well, the reason we did this is because Redraft, at the end of the day, is... How we, as an industry or as a collective group, as a committee of fantasy footballers, while we're mock drafting, we make these ADPs. Now, maybe you believe in all of them, maybe you don't, but we make them nonetheless. And so if we were to say, hey, as a fantasy football community, how do we feel like people are going to finish in 2018? Well, that's the redraft. And then I was like, well, but I've noticed things like Corey Davis gets taken way higher in dynasty leagues than he does in redraft. Why is that? Well, it's because of age. That's the only variable I can see. So then I thought, well, if that's the only variable, I can condense that variable down by saying dynasty minus redraft. And the number that you get, that plus number, is what you are paying for for that person's age. So, like, if a player has plus 14, that means that he goes 14 picks above what he does in redraft. So that means either, A, you're projecting him higher than most people, but more than likely, it just means you're paying for his age. And so I think that's something to be interested in because you get a lot of interesting ideas of who is plus and what you know, I'm paying for their age and how much am I paying for their age? Is there somebody I pay for their age more? Like, do I pay more for Juju's age than I pay for Corey Davis's age? Am I just that biased, you know? And then also the negatives. These are people that are almost lesser in Dynasty, which means that we project them to do better in 2018, but their age is a factor, and so we end up shying away from them. These are great players that you maybe want to win now with because 
You can get them cheaper in Dynasty, and they're projected higher in Redraft. And then finally, there's the people I think that are really interesting are the zeros. These are people that you're paying nothing, that their age is not a factor, that they are taking the same place that they are in Redraft as they are in Dynasty. And I think that's really interesting because um, basically it means that in the same format. Now, when we originally did this, we did it by just ADP overall, but then we started thinking, well, some people in Dynasty like to go wide receiver heavy. You know, that's not fair. You know, first five, four or five picks off the board and redraft are going to be running back. Maybe not so much in Dynasty. So then we did it by position. And then that's what we did. That's what we're looking at for the age. And I posted that Twitter post and I really just kind of did the top, the middle and the bottom just to look in it. And I, I think it makes some interesting things. I call it the Dynasty age premium. That's what I call it. So what are you paying in Dynasty for this person's age? And is it more than someone else? Or are you comfortable paying that? And I think that's something to consider. So in the case of Rodgers, whose value is zero, when you're looking for a good player to target, would you go for somebody with a positive or a negative value? It, it depends on uh, team makeup, I think. I think that when, you know, when you're building a dynasty team, you also are playing this fun game of I have to have production while also having youth. A lot of times we in the dynasty community, the people that play the dynasty community, end up kind of being ageist. Like I'll just say it, like they just, they want the young players, but they don't worry about the production. And so I, what I will say is, let's say your first couple of picks are a bunch of guys that you've, and you're wanting to win now. Maybe that's where you start looking at the people with negative numbers, because that means that they're projected to go higher in redraft. So they're projected to do better in 2018, but maybe not for the future. Cause you know, their age is just, it's just not, not something they want in dynasty. I do like the zeros because that means to me there is no premium on their price. And so, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is taking the same place as he is in Dynasty as he is in Redraft. And so that's something that's really interesting. Some other people that are in that same boat of zero is Todd Gurley. I mean, I'm saying 1-1 Todd Gurley of Dynasty. That's very often. Same thing with DeAndre Hopkins, um, Michael Thomas, Derek Henry, Alshon Jeffrey, Duke Johnson. Isaiah Crowell, which I thought was kind of an odd one, but I thought there. And then um, um, Jordan Howard. You, you know my boy. That's how I got on the That's show. That's your boy. <laughs> Joe Ho. I know. I, well, hey, man, I, I threw it down for the underground that night, and I, I apparently did a good enough job because Adam was like, hey, would you like to jump on the <laughs> I was like, man, I, I did better than I thought, I guess. And I promised Addison I'd let you know that Jordan Howard isn't good. Just Just putting that out there. I promised. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, I'd love to agree with you, but then both of us be wrong. So I, I think that I don't think that this is something that you have to live or die by. I don't feel like this is somebody, something that you have to draft with or anything like that. But I think that I like, I like to do things that make people think. And I like people to, because I don't believe that there's just one variable in fantasy football that holds all the answers. I think that we have to compose multiple variables. And I like to pull out some variables that maybe people haven't seen before and add on to their knowledge. And I mean, and I'm not going to go on the whole debate. You can listen to the open bar, but that's why I think Adam kind of liked me on the open bar and Chris, they were there too. But he, I was talking about how I would trade the one two for Jordan Howard plus because I talked about how Jordan Howard has been a fantastic runner in a one and two down back. The same, I believe that Terry's guys will be. 
And I was like, but we, we disconnect that thought and I don't know why we do. And so I, and you can agree with that or you can disagree with it. But at the end of the day, I don't know how many people have thought about that. And that's what I try to do is I try to come at things from different angles. Same way I did with the Z score. So, you know, just giving you more things to think about. Cause I think that's when, I don't know. I feel like we sometimes just get in a rut of this is what we look at or this is the podcast we listen to and we just move on. No, I couldn't, I could not agree with you more because I think a lot of folks either they take a player's worst season or they take a player's best season and that tells the story for how they're going to evaluate that player. I mean, forever. I mean, if, if they see, if they see Jordan Howard do what he did last season, and they just they will just assume that well that's all he can be. I mean he's good, he has you know skillets for hands. The offense is changing. The quotes that are coming out from Matt Nagy saying you know well he could be a bell cow back, but really we're going to use him. You know, it's more of a game specific type thing. So now all the all the other folks are coming out saying well he's you know he's not worth his current price. And okay well that's fine, but at the very least let's take a step back and at least think about how he could possibly produce. And I think something like what you've put out with the Dynasty Age Premium, I think it forces you to at least consider it. I mean, at the very least. And another point that, or another uh, another factor uh, that both myself and uh, and Ryan McDowell like recently tweeted about was the the I mean the concept of ADP being affected by injury. It seems like when we when it comes to injuries, players they, they tend to take a hit. And I'm not necessarily sure whether it's a positive or negative hit i think there's some other factors that go into it but they do take a hit initially when you talk about their adp so in a sense like do you think that we're double counting the injury like if we look at both redraft adp and dynasty adp like for example we look at Allen robinson for for this year when he's at wide receiver 19 we know that he could produce greater than that but because of the injury we know that his value has been suppressed so does that make sense, or is it in, in, you know, do you think there's a way that we could account for that, like using that? You know, I think that, but here's the thing is that I don't feel like we're, we're doubling down because I feel like we have this situation of that his injury is dropping him in redraft, and then his injury is also dropping him in dynasty. And so what happens is, is, um, you end up mathematical, you know, it, it, that's how algebra works. If I subtract four from one side and subtract it from the other, then all is good. Um, so I feel like that's kind of where it is. But I, I think that what we need to just notice is that the subtraction from his dynasty and the subtraction from his redraft is due to that injury. But I feel like it's happening on both accords. Now, you could make a case that maybe the dynasty community has him higher because he is a wide receiver, and that's usually more valued in the dynasty community. But once again, I did this by, we did this ADP by position. So it's going to be, I think, I think that I don't think it's going to be largely affected. I mean, I think you can make a case for maybe a minus one or, or plus one here or there, but I don't think so. I, I, but I'm a big Allen Robinson fan. Uh, I don't understand the discourse or, or the dislike for him. I understand the injuries with the wide receivers and stuff, but if you've not checked out my podcast and I'm not just plugging here, I really had, we, we talked about the NFC North uh, two episodes ago and I posted something about what I did was I tweeted out um, on the franchise podcast or our Twitter. I said, who would you rather want more? These are the last two times they played. These two players played. 
and it was a blind comparison. And it was Mike Evans and Allen Robinson. And Mike Evans won, but it was like 60-40. And I was just like, so why doesn't Allen Robinson carry the same price as Mike Evans? What, what happened? And then someone goes, well, I guess ACL tears don't matter. Which, that was true. So, you know what? I, I, once again, I'm not opposed to somebody coming out with me and saying, hey, you know, let's think about something different. So I looked it up. I, I did this on our podcast. I talked about how ACL tears, someone, someone did stats in the last like eight years, there's been 34, 34 wide receivers that have torn their ACL. 14 of them were basically practice squad players, got very little reps. Not of notable, less than, I forget how many, it was like less than 5% reps. So nothing worth talking about. Out of the other 20, 14 of them were fine. The other six actually weren't. Now, before you start going, oh, well, you know, so there's a chance two retired due to multiple concussions. It just happened to be that they got a concussion when they tore their ACL or something. The other two retired due to, or the, and then another two, this was their second time tearing their ACL, the same ACL. So they tore it in college and they tore it again in, high, in, in the NFL level and they just never came back. So the only two, there's only been two cases in the last eight years of a wide receiver not coming back to full form after two, t- after an ACL tear. And but I so think it, uh, also yeah, might have to do with switching the team as well. But to bring it back to Ryan's tweet is that. He's trying to say you're going to count the injury for the player, but then you're going to count it even more when people talk about the injury to the player. So he's saying if Allen Robinson tears his ACL, you get that initial shock and that drop in ADP because it's like, well, what's Allen Robinson going to do for my team now? But then weeks and weeks down the line, you see people tweeting about the fact that his ADP has dropped for the injury, and then you in turn draft him even later because – People are talking about the injury. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's 100% true. Um, because we, as much as we like to be dynasty and fantasy football elitist, we oftentimes to go with the crowd. We, we try to say we don't, but we do. Um, we look at ADP data because that's what everybody else says. We talk about how Allen Robinson got hurt. And then we have this group think of he's just a terrible, not good player. Um, I think the same thing happens with Jordan Howard. And, and once again, it's not just me talking the Bears up. There's uh, other multiple players. Uh, I mean, Josh Allen, he almost gets undrafted in Superflex Dynasty Leagues. Yeah, that's because, horrible. Because people are just that, like, there's this elitist, like, don't draft draft Josh Allen because all people do is talk about how terrible he is. And and I talked about that on the open bar. I said, this is hot, but I was like, I just don't, I don't understand it. I was like, oh, Josh Allen. In, in almost all my Superflex leagues because he falls me in the third round. And I'm just like, if he can keep the job, that's, that is a value in the third round for me. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that we really try to try to stay away from it as much as we can, but there is, there's a culture and there's a community of, of fantasy footballers. And I think that once you absorb all those things, yeah, there's, there's a good bit of people that we kind of start getting into this group thing, unfortunately. And I completely agree. I completely agree. I think it's the um, the effect where you you don't want to be the the odd man out. So if everybody else thinks it and you also think it, and then you're wrong, everybody was wrong, and and everything's hunky dory. But while we're on the same page on injuries, I just have a few examples, and I want to kind of talk about how we're supposed to value these guys. 
So Dalvin Cook, um, by the way, this is from Dynasty League Football ADP. Great work over there. Um, Dalvin Cook towards ACL, I took September of 17. He was running back 11. And then December of 17, running back 7. So I took three years after, or sorry, three months after the injury. David Johnson in August of 17 was the running back three, became the running back two in November of 17. So both of those running backs actually increased their ADP after their injuries. Um, and then Tyler Eifert, he has only played 10 games out of the last 32, um, but was at one point the tight end three. So was once sitting at Zachard's spot. How do we apply value to somebody like Tyler Eifert? that hasn't played so much, but you do have to give them value. Same thing with Jordan Reed. You can't just not give them value. I mean, you still want the guy on your team at some point. And then also touch on how those running backs actually increase their ADP in your opinion. Well, I think, I think the, the increase, let me start with the increasing in ADP because I feel like that's just, it, it ties together what I just said. I think it's just that culture. It's that culture of what we've seen, what these players, even if it's a small sample, let's suppose you go to a restaurant and let's say you're not very hungry and you go to this restaurant and you try just an appetizer, you get a beer, you get an appetizer and the appetizer is fantastic. Let's say that's Dalvin cook. You're more willing to go back to that place and you're more excited and you have your friends talking about how good of a restaurant it is. Well, the next thing you know, you want to go there. It's desirable. Um, even so even that four game sample, the guys that owned Alvin Cook wanted more. They always think about, well, what if he finished that season? You know, what if he would have, you know, everything that we had in fruition and that culture of people just talking him up. So he never depreciated. There, there was no need. He was such an elite asset. I think that happens a lot more with your elite assets than it does anybody else. Um, you know, once Julian Edelman got hurt last year, you didn't see him rise in ADP because Although he's a good wide receiver, he's not an elite wide receiver, and he's older in age. Great point. So I, I think it's just you, if your elite players get get knocked down, um, you, you're not exactly willing to trade your Ferrari if it's broken down. Um, you may be upset that it's broken down, but you still own a Ferrari. Yeah, well, look at Deshaun uh, Watson this year. He's priced at, what, I think, like QB4 in redraft leagues right now. It's either four or five. Yeah, that's an excellent yep. point as well. I mean, you saw him crush it for seven games, but then you saw – Actually, Addison earlier posted um, DeAndre Hopkins games in split and out of split. And it's like, was Deshaun Watson really that great? Which he was obviously that great just from watching him. But also, he has Hopkins. So, um, yeah, I completely agree. You get that appetizer and you're more likely to even say that the entree um, wasn't that bad either even if it was in that sense as well so even if dalvin cook does come back and he's a little shaky at first we're still going to think back to those four to five games last year and say well he's gonna get back to this even if it takes him a lot longer than it should um that's gonna move us on to our next point actually is how how are we valuing those tight ends so i just want to put out there that like Jordan Reed has gotten way too low, and I think it's from the effect earlier, and this is how it all started. I mean, Jordan Reed is elite when he's on the field, and this isn't just coming from a Redskins fan. He is, in fact, elite when he's on the field. But we know... If he's he's healthy, he's the top three tight end. If he plays full 16, I mean, he's a top three to top five tight end. Without 100%. So he just keeps taking those hits over and over because people keep talking about how bad... 
um, Jordan Reed's injury problem is, which it is bad, which is why I always get Vernon Davis if I have Jordan Reed, but that's not the point I'm trying to get at. I want to hear from you, Tyler, on how do you kind of tune out the noise with players like Tyler Eifert and even more so Jordan Reed? Well, I mean, I think that you, you know, you can't, I don't think you can turn, tune out the noise per se, but I think that it's one of those things that if, if there's something I pride myself in in the fantasy football world, because you all were asking me to come on the manual and you've had great guests, and I'm like, oh my gosh, really? I gotta, I gotta, you know, hash out with, with Peter Howard. You know, I love Peter, but, but if there's one thing I pride myself in, I think it has to be, um, value, players value, because at the end of the day, um, I have a bad habit of saying, oh, I love this player or I dislike this player but I'm always attaching their value to it because I'll take anything for the right price. I, at my house, I drink Sam's Cola, not because I love Sam's Cola more than Coca-Cola, but because of the price of Sam's Cola. <laughs> and, um, you know, when it comes to these players like Tyler Eifert and Jordan Reed, they're players that I'm actually kind of looking at buying for the right price. If I can get them for the right price and I can bottle that lightning and, even if it's just a short term, I can ride it to the championship. If you're willing to give me Jordan Reed for a fourth round or a third round rookie because you're just that done with him, then I'll take him. I'll take him because the risk I'm running at the third round is already the risk I'm running with Jordan Reed of him playing a full 16 games. So why not? That that would be my thing, and I'm not relying on Jordan Reed at that point. Absolutely I'll, not. I'll, I'll tell you, for instance, my main dynasty league where I'm trying to run at it the most I have Rob Gronkowski, uh, David Njoku, I drafted him last year, and this year I recently traded to the guy, I forget what I traded, but it was basically a third-round pick or a three, I don't know, something like that, and I got Jordan Reed because I thought, you know what, if Jordan Reed can just, if I can just ride the lightning with Jordan Reed, I can get a championship this year. And hopefully between him and Gronkowski, somebody's healthy. And if not, I've got David Njoku. But that's the way you should be playing Dynasty anyway is that you've got to... You've got to have your starter. When you draft a rookie, he shouldn't be the person starting for you. I drafted David Njoku last year knowing that, hey, he's not starting for me. He's just replenishing my, my bench and he's just a great backup. And then after that, if, you know, I've got those two guys, let's go ahead and get a third guy who's maybe undervalued, who is a big risk, but I can afford a big risk. I have these two players in front of them. So, and, and that goes back to like I was saying, those people aren't elite. And so I feel like if injury happens to an elite person, price goes up. If injury happens to a meh player, it shoots down. And I feel like that's something that you need to start like looking, you know, looking into the bargain bin a little bit and just seeing, just poking around for prices because price, price is everything. I, I will, I say, I'll say this once and I'll say it again. Some people disagree, but everybody on my team is for trade. It's just a matter of price. That's exactly how it's supposed to be. Yeah, everyone on your team should um, have a price, and if they don't, then you're going to end up missing out on some sell-high windows because you have those players that are just so expensive that you're afraid to move them. But to get to our next segment, I know Chris is going to want to nerd out on this a little bit. For the people that aren't able to nerd out quite as well, you hit on Z-Score a little bit earlier. Do you mind explaining what Z-Score is a little bit before we start getting into some practical application of it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Z-Score, a lot of times when you show up, it, it looks a little intimidating, but it's really not. Um, so what we did, me and Addison, was we sat down and we said, okay, we know that there's an average player. 
there's an average player who just did okay that year in football. And we also know that there's some people that deviate from the mean. There's people that, that do better. There's some people that do worse than the mean. Um, and what this does, that deviation from the mean, the scattering about of, of an average player is called your standard deviation. How much do people on average deviate from the mean? The people that have the biggest standard deviation, um, the position is the running back, which you may think, oh, well, that's bad. It also can be good, which means there's, uh, there's basically a big difference between an average running back and an elite running back. And there's also a big difference between an average running back and a just running back that does nothing. So, and we see that, right? Because in redraft and even in dynasty, we're starting to move towards it. You have to have one of those elite running backs because they're so few and far between where wide receivers have a smaller standard deviation, which tells us that it's really easy to find a wide receiver that's an average wide receiver. And we see that happen too, right? You can always go in late in drafts and find a decent wide receiver three. Right. I mean, that's not a problem. So what does Z-score do? Z-score takes all of those variables, takes standard deviation as well as an average, and says, okay, let's put this on a normal scale. Now, when I talk about normality, this is a little assumed because fantasy football honestly isn't perfectly normal. But what it does is there is a Z-score of up to three, positive three, which means you're three standard deviations above the mean. And there's negative three, which means you're at negative three standard deviations below the mean, which is not where you want to be. Your people at three standard deviations are your elite of the elite your negative three guys are the worst of the worst. And then your zero Z-score guys are your average players. These guys are just an average running back. They're not great. They're just kind of there. And so what this does, though, is we, we said, okay, well, how do we kind of put this in terms and see how this helps people? Well, we started doing it by season and also by age. So what you can do is you can click on a player let's say a tight end or a running back or whatever, and Travis Kelsey, per se. So Travis Kelsey, at the age of 25, had a Z-score of 1.9. So he's two standard deviations above an average tight end, almost. 2015, he took a step up, or he, he stayed the same pretty much, at a two standard deviations. So he, he was better than an average tight end, but he wasn't to that t- tier three elite. It wasn't until 2016, with the age of 27, he got a 2.8. And keep in mind, this is all data f- since 2010. So these are, we're comparing Travis Kelsey to other tight ends his age for the last eight years. So this isn't just like, oh, he's good. You know, we know Travis Kelsey is good, but how good is Travis Kelsey? comparable to other tight ends his age and other average tight ends and where does he fall does that make sense at least that makes some sense to me and how we can and how we can actually apply it so looking at a player's adp their age and also their z score like can you use those those variables in order to in order to spot market inefficiencies um, the biggest thing that I use the Z-score for is honestly just price checks and just looking at people that were extremely efficient for their age. And I also look at Z-scores for people 
that uh, may regress or, you know, progress, I suppose. So, like, for instance, Alex Smith last year had a Z-score of a 1.5. Obviously, he, he did really well last year, finishing as a quarterback four. However, here were the years before that, 0. 0.7, 0. 0.1, or 1, 0. 0.7, 1, 0. 0.06, 0.86.2.37. If you look at his graph, you can see that this Z score was a huge outlier. And so maybe Alex Smith, we need to tamper our expectations. Now, granted, he, you know, obviously he, he changed, you know, teams and stuff like that. So that is a factor. But you also just see some consistency too. Like you can go to Matthew Stafford and Matthew Stafford has been hovering around a 1.2 Z score since the age of 24. So that just lets us know that Matt Stafford really hasn't peaked, nor has he digressed. We saw a huge jump in the Z-score of, like, Jared Goff. Jared Goff, his rookie year, was a point, negative point seven, So he wasn't even an average quarterback. And then last year was a 1.2 for his age. What also it does, too, is, that, like, if you go to wide receivers... And let's just say you click on a random, it, it, it doesn't matter. Like I'm looking at Jarvis Landry at the age of 26, you see all of the, cause you see all these blue dots. They all gradually shift up at the age of 26. So it, it actually confirms the idea. I know that some people have this idea in dynasty that the age of 26 is like the peak year for a, a wide receiver. Z scores are actually proving that that really, that, that really is true. Now that's interesting. And now, Shifting, I guess, uh, to a different position now looking at running backs, uh, one of the is the backfield quote-unquote conundrums that I've been trying to figure out this offseason is the Vikings running back situation. And I know when we were on the, the Open Bar podcast, like you went on about uh, Latavius Murray. I'm somewhat of a Latavius Murray truther myself because I've been trying to understand not necessarily the hype behind Dalvin Cook. This is not to say that Dalvin Cook is not a, I guess, a, a strong and dynamic running back in and of himself. But it seems like we are, I guess, undervaluing Latavius Murray at the expense of hyping up Dalvin Cook. And if you look at Dalvin Cook's Z score from last year, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he had a negative uh, negative Z score for, uh, you know, but he only started what four games. You know, yeah, so the Z score knows total, total fantasy points for right. the year. We've not broken it down of week to week yet. That, that's, you know, when you have every player since 2010. Right. So <laughs> it's hard to compare, you know. it's hard to make a comparison across if you were to play for a full season. I totally understand. So if we look at Dalvin Cook by himself and then you compare him to Latavius Murray, who has had a positive Z score? I think for a, for a few seasons, across, while he's been in between Oakland and now Minnesota, to me it seems like the chips are kind of falling into place for at least Latavius Murray to have a, let's say, to be of value to your team, whether it be for dynasty or redraft. I mean, they've taken in, they've taken on John DeFilippo, who was uh, the quarterbacks coach in Oakland when Latavius Murray was drafted. I mean, there seems to be just a lot of things that are kind of working in his favor. And now we hear good things for, about Dalvin Cook when he's uh, making his rehab from his ACL tear. But, you know, do you think that there's a way that, or do you think there is some value for Latavius Murray based off of the Z-score analysis? 
Yeah, so looking at Latavius Murray, he hovers around. I mean, yeah, he's had a few years at one point something. And, and like I said, with the Z-score, too, like I, I pitch a lot of these different ideas to people, you know, the redraft thing, you know, the Dy- Dynasty H premium, a Pips Z-score. And so I can't tell you how many people will just come back and be like, well, this isn't everything. And I'm like, it's not. I- I'm just giving you an extra piece of the puzzle that maybe you hadn't thought of. You know, I want to add on to your analysis. That That's all I want to do. And so with Murray, he's looking like he has in the past been above that average running back, and he had a 1.6 in 2016, a, a 1.8 in 2015. Last year, he did he almost threw up a one. It was 0.97. So there is some positive things, but for the most part, Latavius Murray has never been elite. And so I think what's happening here is that we are projecting, although it's it's a projection because we only have four games, and I wish that he would have played the whole season, a lot of people, what they're doing in their brain is saying that Dalvin Cook is elite, so they're subconsciously giving him that higher Z-score for his age. And then when you look at Latavius Murray, I don't see a bad running back, but it, the Z-score is telling me I'm seeing about an average running back. Uh, for his age and skill set. So, and, and there's value to be found there too. And, and the thing is too, is I think that what you have to consider, and I'm sure you've considered as well, is how elite can we claim someone to be off of four games? And so, I, you know, I, I think that just like you're saying, I want the Z score to be an analysis of you of Latavius Murray. Hey, is Latavius Murray really a bad running back for his age or just people making him out to be a bad running back? And I feel like it's probably more of the second. They're making him out to be a bad running back because it fits their their persona of Dalvin Cook being elite. And to pitch in before Chris gets to the last player that he wants to mention, Latavius Murray was brought in to be that starter. Uh, Dalvin Cook was not supposed to be a Viking until he fell into the early second round. He was not supposed to be there for the Vikings to draft. So it's not like there's any bad blood with Latavius Murray and he hasn't done anything for the Vikings to dislike him now I think that Dalvin Cook probably is an elite talent I like to watch the film a little bit more and just what he put on film was phenomenal so I think that he probably will be that bell cow but I'm not afraid to throw out some feelers there after talking to you guys to see if I could get some Latavius Murray value especially since um, Dalvin Cook is coming back from the injury he might not start out too strong, which led me to actually take Hunt over Cook in redraft. Probably still would in Dynasty as well, because you just don't know how how he's going to come back right away. Why would you even take the chance? And, and let me add on too. This is overall fantasy production, but I was talking about that same backfield. Jarek McKinnon, his best Z score was last year at one point one. So Latavius Murray has had a higher Z score than Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon is basically below the average or right at it for his entire career. Just throwing it out there. That's interesting. That's something that I know folks will want to argue with it just on its face. I mean, without without even thinking about it, I would assume folks would just want to argue with that just because. I I, I know, and and I'm not saying, once again, I'm not saying because someone has a bad Z-score, they're a bad player. I just want this. I wanted Z-score to be a further analysis. I wanted people to say, hey, I like this player and here's why have their other stats and this stats and the other and then hey here's his z score and you can see that he's above an average running back or blah 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 that's what i wanted i wanted this i I want z score to just be a chime in i i don't think 
that fantasy football can be quantitated down to one or two variables. I, I think there's a reason why there's so many podcasts. There's a reason why there's so many different rankings. There's a reason why there's so many different stats. And I'm just here to just chime in with what I can and try to talk about player value and value versus production is, I think, where I make my hay. Uh, I own Adam Thielen in every league because th- this time last year I was buying him for seconds, r- rookie seconds, because people just didn't see it, you know, and, and I just did. I, I thought the value was there. And, you know, I missed on a few others, but he was one of the big ones. I sold Mike Evans everywhere I could. Because I told people, I mean, this time last year, Mike Evans was a debate between LBJ or Mike Evans. And my issue with, with Mike Evans was, is that I felt like he was just 100% reliant on his targets. And so I traded Mike Evans in multiple leagues for like Michael Thomas and two first rounders. And people told me I was crazy or that was a good value. And I'm like, and I wrote, actually, that was my first article. I've not been in the fantasy football industry. I've been in the fantasy football industry less than a year or a year this month. And my first article is why I'm selling Mike Evans. And I had a lot of pushback on it. And I was just like, I'm just looking at the data. I'm looking at the value versus the production. And other than, other than 2016, Mike Evans had a Z score of 2.5. But the other years before that, he had a 1.7, his rookie year, second year, 1.3. Then the big year at 2.5. And then last year he ended with a 1.6. And so I saw that. I was looking, and I was like, how does he go up from a 2.5? And so this is what I used. I, I used the Z-score last year for this. <laughs> I just did it privately. I didn't I didn't share this with anybody on Twitter. I just I saw Z-score of 2.5. I saw his others of 1.7, and I was like, regression. Got it. And I moved on, and I traded every bit of Mike Evans I had. And to bring all of this full circle, I want to add that everything that we've been mentioning, we found on ffstatistics.com. So... This is how you're using this. This is how you're using your practical application from the show to become a better owner. Um, this is how you use FFstatistics.com. And we started talking about value versus production. So to me, production is the stats that a player put up, whether it be college for these incoming rookies or the NFL. Then when we're talking about value, we're adding production plus age plus metrics plus team situation plus market share. So what I want to talk about first is how much of a factor does production weigh in to a player's value? I mean, I think to to me, production to production is king to me. I, at the end of the day, we have you have to win your fantasy football leagues, and I feel like in dynasty we get away from that too much. Too often, Agreed. Agreed. We, we we have what I like to call the dynasty darlings. That as long as you have these big names on your team, then you're a good dynasty player. It has nothing to do with the points that are next to their name. And I usually, what I like to do is I play three years out. If I can get three years out of a player, it is irrelevant to me outside of that. And I've said that before is because if my wife were to tell me I had to fix a door in our house and she gave me three years to fix it, I'm really not jumping off the couch to fix it. I'm going to trade. I want to make trades mid-season. I want to make trades off-season. I'm just not worried about it. Players like LaShawn McCoy, he has won two years. Now age has become a factor for me. But outside of that, it's production is king because I want to win. You cannot take away my championship. Now this is why I've had a problem with Jarek McKinnon this whole offseason. It's not because I hate Jarek McKinnon or don't think that he's going to do well, but it goes to this argument that 
He has the age. He's young. He's got the metrics. He was a spark freak. The team situation is awesome over there with uh, old Shanahan. And he's going to have the volume. I get all those, but production is the largest to me, and he just hasn't had it. Like you mentioned with his e-score earlier, I get it. But he just he hasn't won me games, as you said. So that's why I can't jump on board, and that's why I can't draft him so early in these startups. I mean, he's he's going in the fourth, and I didn't even go check the most recent ADP. It's probably even earlier than that. So that was my beef with Jarek McKinnon. It's not that he doesn't have everything when it comes to value. It's just that he doesn't have the biggest thing to me when it comes to value. Well, and I think another thing you have to look at, too, is consistency. I think that we forget about how important consistency is because, like, once again, not to reference my pod because, you know, I'm not trying to plug too much, but like last two weeks ago, I guess you could say, we did an episode over the NFC and I was talking about Allen Robinson. And so I pulled up some people that go near him and I was like, hey, let's look at consistency. This isn't everything, but it, it, I think it should be a factor of how often is this guy productive for me and and shows up for me because that's an issue for me. If you're not scoring points, that's great. You're a big name. But if you're not doing what I need you to do, and granted, he may have, these players may have bigger games. Like, you know, you can finish as a quarterback one, but score 40 points. Another guy can finish as quarterback one that week and only score 15. I'm well aware. But at the same time, um, I think that, you know, like Stefan Diggs kind of falls in that category. He has huge games and we see the talent. We see the upside. But my issue is, is that he also just falls off the map and we just keep saying, well, remember that one time he was fantastic. And I'm not dissing Diggs. I like Diggs. I own Diggs and the things. But I talked about Allen Robinson looking at consistency off FF statistics. He was wide receiver one 15% of the time, wide receiver two 18% of the time, and a wide receiver three, thir- oh, I'm sorry, wide receiver one 30% of the time. I'm misreading my own notes. Wide receiver two, 15% of the time. So that's a 40, 45% chance of wide receiver one or two. And a wide receiver three, 18% of the time. Now he was a wide, worse than the wide receiver three, 36% of the time. But if we're looking at people comparable to him, Amari Cooper has been a wide receiver one, 21% of the time and a wide receiver two, only 17% of the time. He has been worse than a wide receiver three, 50% of his career. And, Got you. And I'm and glad that you brought Stephon Diggs is in the same boat at 20% wide receiver one, 23% of wide receiver two, and 46% of the time, <coughs> he's been less than a wide receiver three. So although wow. you can say Allen Robinson at a 36% worse than a wide receiver three, you're like, man, that stinks. Allen Robinson has a higher chance, at least for his career, um, to be, and this is since they've started, to be a wide receiver one or wide receiver two than you for you than Amari Cooper or Stefan Diggs. He also has a less of a chance of falling off the map than Amari Cooper and Stefan Diggs. And I kind of did the same thing with Jordan Howard. I was like, you know, a lot of people say they would take Joe Mixon over Jordan Howard. And I'm, and I'm not, I think that there's an argument to be said there, but with Jordan Howard, his consistency 29% of running back one, 32% of running back two. So you have a 61% that Jordan Howard is a running back one or two for you. And you draft him in the third round in both redraft and dynasty. So you're drafting him as a running back two. And I'm just I'm like... I'm glad you mentioned Allen Robinson. It's almost like uh, there's an agenda with his name real big on it. <laughs> but um, I, I want to try to get a more solid answer from you because this is something that 
I struggle with constantly. And I think you've got the answer for me. So when creating value for a player like Allen Robinson, he has that beautiful season, the 80 catches, the 1,400 yards, the 14 touchdowns. Remember off the top of my head. But then in the other two seasons, not only did he not get full seasons, but he barely combined for 1,400 yards total in the other two. So I want to know how am I supposed to take that? Am I supposed to take him for um, his greatest, or am I supposed to take him for his worst? I, I think you just know his, his ceiling and his floor, but but I'll tell you this is that I think you also have to re, like reiterate and just look and start ripping the names off of some of these players. And so what I mean by that, um, so the year that I brought this up once again in my podcast, I, I, I love data. I, we, we literally just look at data. And so last year, okay, about 2017, he was hurt. But in 2016, in PPR formats, what did Allen Robinson finish? Even in that poor, that poor year, quote unquote, he finishes um, the wide receiver 24. Okay. So he still is a, a wide receiver two for you. So that's really not that bad. I mean, it's not good. Not what we expected, not what you drafted him to be by any means. But in 2015, that big year, like you were talking about, okay, finishes wide receiver 20 or six, wide receiver six. Now you may just gloss over that, but the reason why he finishes wide receiver six was because uh, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Brandon Marshall, DeAndre Hopkins, OBJ had monster years, just obscene years. At 304 points, Allen Robinson came in at wide receiver six. Now why, why talk about these? Why throw out this data? Well, because of this right here. In 2016, that was the Mike Evans year. He got wide receiver three with how many points? How many points did wide, how, how many points did he get in PPR? 304. The number sounds familiar, huh? Same, the same exact number that Allen Robinson got in two, 2015. And then Mike Evans somehow started get talking about the 101, despite being the same age as Allen Robinson. So then we go, we fast forward to 2017. Uh, Mike Evans, okay, finishes as what wide receiver last year in PPR? I don't remember. 17. Wow. So my issue is is that we saw Mike Evans go from a 304 year to the bottom, basically a wide receiver two, and we saw Allen Robinson go from a 304 year to a wide receiver two. But why is there a price difference? Why, why, and I, you can say the team and that's a factor and you could say the injury. That's a factor. But I think I would argue that we had just told you about the injury history and how unlikely that is to affect him. And I would also argue that Mitch Trubisky may be a better setup for him than Blake Bortles or at least similar or at least similar. And so what I like to do is I like to rip off names and I like to just look at the data. And if you come to our podcast, that's what we do. And I really try to emphasize that is because I dislike sometimes listening to various pods. And I'm not going to say anybody's name at all because I listen to literally like 20 different podcasts. I, I, I listen to them constantly. But I feel like a lot of times we just talk about names and we talk about what we hear on Twitter and we talk about just the dynasty darlings and what we want to hear. But we don't look at the numbers as much as we should. And so Not that really that's what I want to yes. tell you is that do I think Allen Robinson is a wide receiver one? No, I'm not projecting him to be. 
But my issue is, is that right now I have to spend wide receiver two prices for him. I, I draft him in redraft in the third round. So I don't need him to be my wide receiver one. I need him to be my wide receiver two. And there's this upside there. I mean, we did that. Uh, to me, it, I would not be completely shocked if Allen Robinson's the next Keenan Allen of last year. I'm not saying he's going to, but I'm just saying that I would not be completely stoned. We, we heard the same narrative last year with Keenan Allen. Remember that? Injury prone. He's not. There's no way he can, you know, do that again. And but Philip Rivers right. is better. He shouldn't have been back. listening to that, anyways. But with, his with ADP showed injury. that. I mean, his redraft ADP for Keenan Allen, I can promise you. Was what third round? Yes. Oh no, I agree. It sh- it it just the na- the label should have never made it to him, anyways. I mean, before oh, I agree that too. it was a spleen. Like I remember watching the play. It's like, come on. Like, well, and but see, and what what happened in 2016 was Allen Robinson tore his ACL. Right. And everybody mm-hmm. said, oh, he can't come back and he can't be the same and blah blah blah. Keenan Allen finished his wide receiver three last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure did. Right. <laughs> and it's like, so now what? And now he's now he's the new hotness, and so. I don't want to just make this all about, <laughs> but that's what I like to do is, is that I will tell you this is that just rip off the names and start looking at people for what they are. And I'm not saying rip off the names like Robbie Anderson obviously has some history of suspension and blah, blah, blah. I think those are factors, but I don't think that we, we, we play the name game more than we like to. Like I was talking on our podcast, Jonathan, one of our hosts is a huge, not a huge, but he, he likes. Jay Ajahi. And I said, I don't think he's a huge Jay Ajahi fan, but I said this. I said, I, I don't own any Jay Ajahi. And he asked me why. And I said, because in, in 171 carries compared to Jay Ajahi's 208, Orleans Darkwa finished better than him. Other names that finished higher than Jay Ajahi last year. Now, Jay Ajahi only played 14 games, but Chris Thompson in 10 games finished as a better fantasy option than Jay Ajahi. Higher. Tariq Cohen with his lack of even usage last year, except for those first few games, finished higher. Jamal Williams, Isaiah Crowell, Latavius Murray, Javorius Allen. We all, but you hear the word Jay Ajayi, and if you were to say, hey, I'm trading Jay Ajayi for Isaiah Crowell, people would laugh at you. But Isaiah Crowell was a better running back last year. I mean, according to this right here, he, he scored more fantasy points. I mean, he played all 16 games, and he was on the same team. But I'm just saying, like, it's right there. And Isaiah Crowell has a real opportunity for a lot of touches, same as J.H.I. next year. He still has to run to the correct hold, though, which he has trouble with. Yes. I agree, and I'm not saying that that's not a factor. But what I'm saying is, is could you trade J.H.I. for Isaiah Crowell plus? Absolutely. Plus a lot, yeah, for sure. Plus and a lot. It, yeah. And that's what I'm saying is that we, we get into this mode of look at the names, look at the names, look at the names. No one wants to talk about how Javorius Allen finished right behind Tevin Colvin. And Javorius Allen finished two spots below Alex Collins. N- no one talks about that. Well, why don't you talk about that? Because Alex Collins has taken very high, even in Dynasty drafts still. Mm-hmm. Why is well, Javorius yeah, Allen the draft, yeah. yeah, For sure, after the draft. All right, so let's kick it to the next segment because I really want to talk about the why you're still on, Tyler. We're talking about picking up an orphan team, and that's uh, – Big at this time of year, people are figuring, wow, this is way too many leagues, which I don't even know if there's such thing as way too many leagues. So Chris wants to present his his orphan that he's going to donate up to us, and we're going to try to dissect and talk a little bit about our player evaluation and our uh, roster evaluation. 
Yeah, for sure. So real quick, a uh, shout out to Kevin uh, at FF Engineer on Twitter and uh, also the Fantasy Engineering Podcast. Huge fan of uh, his work and also the, the podcast itself. And uh, he invited me to the Dynasty Trial by Fire where it does like pit a number of newbies together like that are like relatively new to Dynasty. And I thought that was a great opportunity for me to try and figure out kind of the ins and outs of Dynasty as I'm trying to learn it along with uh, everybody else that's listening. And yeah, I wound up picking up this orphan here. And for the folks at home, I wanted to give you guys kind of the highlights. So I've got Matt Ryan and Alex Smith at QB. I've got Rex Burkhead, Kenyon Drake, Christian McCaffrey. Let's see, I've got Mike Evans, Chris Hogan, Deshaun Jackson, and then uh, also uh, Travis Kelsey at, at tight end. Just some of the highlights. Looking at the roster as both Adam and, and Tyler, you guys have had a chance to take a look at it. What would be your first steps when assessing a roster before before you get to your draft? I mean, how do you make those decisions to say that, okay, well, I need to strip this all down and trade away what I've got for picks, or, okay, hey, this might this might actually have enough pieces here that we can make a run, so we need to beef up quarterback, we need to beef up tight end, we need to do what you know, whatever process or what is that particular process that either of you guys would use in order to make that decision once you take over a roster. So is this a Superflex League, correct? Uh, one QB. One QB, okay. So whenever I take out an orphan, I, I, before I start doing trades, first off, they're going to send you trades that are, are not good trades. Usually people are. They're, they're, they're testing the waters. They want to see what kind of dynasty player you are. They want to see where you're at. Use this time, though, to just start poking around and trying to find people's values and what they value. I know there's some leagues that I have that age is is a Debbie league, and age is everything. It's the biggest variable to them. And so it's one of those things that now I know what my sell highs are. Who, who do I have that is a age that I can, I can pawn off for age? The next question I ask myself when taking over Orphan is a very simple question of, can I win this year? It's a very simple question. It's a yes or a no. And if it's a maybe, I might write it, but it needs to be a strong maybe. Other than that, though, most Orphans I've taken over, and I've taken over a handful, the answer is no. I, I can't win with this team. The biggest mistake I find Dynasty players do is they say, okay, I can't win with this team, so now I know what I want to do. I'm going to start trading for 2018 first-round rookie picks. I want to get in this rookie draft, and I'm going to get me a Nick Chubb, or I want to get me a Saquon, or I'm going to get me a Carrion Johnson, and blah, blah, blah. But the problem is, is once again, I've talked about price versus production. The price of these players is through the roof. If you really are in a true orphan, understand that you, if you can't win that year, just punt. Just punt that year, and that stinks that you have to do that. But you should take those assets and immediately start trying to trade them for first-round rookie picks the next year. Because here's a fun fact. Every person that plays in the Dynasty League thinks that their next next year's first-rounder is always a late. Everyone does it. Everyone says, I traded this first, my future first for this guy, but it's a late-round pick. Why well, do you know that? I've got a really good team. Okay. And I've seen it happen before. I did it myself. I did it. It's I traded basically almost. I bare bone this thing, and got it down to not much. And I had six first round rookie picks for this year. I had the one one, the one two, the one three, 
the one four, the one six, and the one eight. Now ask me what kind of roster I can build with that. Pretty significant. So you can do whatever you want. Oh, absolutely. If my friend and a shout out to him, Matt Spencer, he did the same thing in another league. I completely took it from him. But so many people think that they would need to start trading for two thousand and you know eighteen picks, the, the ones that are right in front of them. No, 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 no. This rookie class isn't any as special as the year before that or the year after. If I hear the word generational talent one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. Well, you're going to hear it every year. <laughs> because you hear it every year. Right. And so do that. And the same thing, too, in in-season. There's going to be some people that you can't trade off-season because people don't want them. But injuries happen. You know, people are seeing the championship. And you're sitting there with one viable piece. And next thing you know, they're okay giving up two firsts for next year because they think that it's going to be late. Well, at week six, you don't know. I mean, you just don't know at week six. Yeah, maybe you're six and oh, but this could take a turn real quick. People that owned, uh, Zika Elliott, it took a turn. People that owned, uh, there's plenty of people that just kind of fell apart and that stinks, but I'm willing to reap the benefits. Same thing with those second round rookie picks. Second round rookie picks in week three are, are nothing. Future seconds are nothing to people. But then next thing you know, you're sitting there holding the bag at, you know, at the beginning of January going, Hey, I've got six firsts and six and six seconds. Who wants to get into this draft? And the one one next year probably won't be as hyped as Saquon, but the one one the year before that was Ezekiel Elliott. And how hyped was he? I mean, huge. So, I mean, the one, and then you, and not only that, but when you punt, I'm not saying you need to punt unsportsmanlike, but when you punt, you end up usually getting the 1-1 one, one or the 1-2. You end up getting, keeping, you know, if you kept your first round, which you should, you end up having the 1-1 one, one or 1-2 one, right there to begin with. So, that's what I'll tell people with with orphans. There are, a, I've had one orphan that I've looked at and I thought, okay, I can make a few changes and we can make this work. And I can, I can be a playoff team and I can maybe sneak it in. But most of them I look at and go, garage sale. Just, and no, I don't want any picks this year. I want next year's picks. I'm so glad that you came with that take, Tyler, because I have the exact opposite opinion, so I'm excited to get into it. All right. I want to start with my my little evaluation strategy. I want to put out that that it is very important to evaluate your teams, but it is something that could slip your mind or you not even think to do going into the season. But I pull up my rosters page, I pull up the roster, and then I pull up DLF rankings, their consensus rankings, bunch of smart dudes. And I forget if this was Dynasty Dummies or Dynasty Nerds, so I'll shout out both of them, both great pods. They were like, if you have four to five top fifty players, like you're going for it. You know, you're huh. you're about you're about ready to compete. You might need some depth. So I do that. I just count up, tally up how many top fifty players I have on each of my rosters and then kind of go from there on what I need to acquire. What I like to do when I pick up an orphan, which I picked up three this season, is I like to tear down players. What teardown means to me is taking somebody like we talked about Mike Evans has that huge name value. Sure, he has that huge name value. He also, like you said, finished wide receiver 17 last year. He's somebody that I want to tear down into a couple players. So if you could take Mike Evans and perhaps get Allen Robinson that we talked about and then get somebody else that could help at running back right now, let's say... I don't know that I would do this trade, but maybe Mike Evans for Allen Robinson and Chris Thompson. So to me, that means you tiered down. You got somebody that's going to put points on your roster right now with Chris Thompson and Allen Robinson is just as likely to put up the same points that Mike Evans does. But oh no, he tore the ACL last year. So you get to tear down that player. Another player you could tear down is Christian McCaffrey. Um, 
he gets a little undervalued, so that'd be tough, but I'm using this roster. You could take Christian McCaffrey and sell him, end up getting Duke, and then somebody underneath Christian McCaffrey, like maybe one of these 2018 rookies, let's say maybe Penny, if someone's a little late on Penny and Duke or something like that. So all of a sudden you have this very, very, very well-rounded roster that doesn't have those big names, but you find yourself getting to the postseason with guys like Alex Smith and Chris Thompson and and Deion Lewis just as often as you find yourself with those Christian McCaffrey guys. So that's my take on uh, taking over a orphan team. I think it's possible and, it, and it's savvy. I think it definitely can work. And I mean, there's plenty of players that I really, really like as far as value. And, you know, I, I talked about that. That's my pride and joy of what I do. Um, for tight end, I can't tell you how much Cameron Bray I own. Uh, it is insane the amount of Cameron Bray I own. But that's neither here nor there. And I'm hoping that at least as I start to get more into it and like pick up a couple more leagues, that those either one of those strategies is something that I could at least keep in the back of my mind. Because when I looked at it, at least my initial thought process was that I looked at the pieces that were there and say, okay, well, you know, hey, I think for this for the 2018 season, I see value at least in I see value in Ryan. I see value in. Both, you know, CMC, I see value in Mike Evans, uh, see value in obviously Travis Kelsey. So there were some names there that's like, okay, well, I can kind of see, I can kind of tell myself a story of how I can make it through this season without just, you know, coming in dead last. So at least I, I went through, I went ahead and, you know, made my selections and it was like, okay, well, I think I have a team that can make it through this season, but it's like, now how do I project that forward into, let's say the 2019 season, 2020 season, and things of that nature. So I'm having a feeling that a lot of the ancillary players that I have on my team, like uh, Leontay Carew, Chris Conley, you know, some of the other players that I don't think are going to do all that much and provide much value to my team this year, I'm probably going to either make some moves, sell off some players, something like that in order to provide me depth depth in the future. And Chris, what I want to add to... um your strategy going forward when you do get those terrible offers that Tyler alluded to earlier. Yeah. And I agreed with, you're not going to accept those offers, of course, and you probably shouldn't even, you you need to respond, but you probably shouldn't even say the type of thing that you're naturally accustomed to saying, which is, you know, I appreciate the trade offer, but blah, blah, blah. Honestly, I'm one of the nicest people to be in a league with, I think, but when I come into a new league and I'm getting all those offers, I like to let them know like, Hey, I'm not that kind of owner, but what you do want to do at that time is the players that they're sending you those horrible offers with. You're not going to take those horrible offers for Mike Evans, but now they've just shown their hand. These are the players that they don't see any value in. And mm. sometimes you get those players coming across your board. Like I'm um, sure a Paul Richardson, he's not the greatest, but he's going to have some value for you. So you might see, Paul Richardson, something, 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 all those pennies for your nickel and say, no way, that's not close. But what about this third for Paul Richardson or whatever it may be? So they're kind of exposing their hand there a little bit on players that you might get for the cheap and uh, and add some depth. That's a good point. I'm going to have to take a look at that. Like here, and I'll probably look at it like later on this season, kind of think out, see how things shake out. But that's a good point for sure. So, but here, here is here is where I'm at. 
as far as looking at this team. And I'm not trying to disparage you because I think that you could maybe if you're in, in the right league. Um, it depends on the league. There's some leagues that I have that I can find a lot of good production because of the people I play with. But there's other leagues I'm in, and I'm in leagues with like people from Under the Helmet and Dynasty Happy Hour and some real ballers and some things like I can't find that production because of how good of a league that it is. Does right. that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so I end up having to do in that league, I know that league, I know the people in it, I've tried to make trades, they're offering me fair trades, but I'm just not getting the production. And so my issue is right now is looking at your team. Last year, Mike Evans finishes a wide, a wide receiver two. On top of that, Robert Woods finishes a wide receiver three. And those are your main wide receivers, yeah? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how do you justify to me that you're getting a championship without a wide receiver one? And furthermore, if you go into the wide running backs, you have Chris McCaffrey, and he finishes a wide receiver one, or running back one, but some people are expecting a little regression. There's more targets to go around. C.J. Anderson showed up. And I'm not saying that he's, he's for sure going to, but what if he does? Then now you're riding a running back two, paired up with Kenyon Drake. And so how do you justify to me that you're winning a championship without a true running back one, without a true wide receiver one, mm. without a, a fantastic wide I mean, all your all, yes, Alex Smith was a quarterback one last year, but I don't think he will be this year. Right. Matt Ryan sometimes does. So the only position you have, in my personal opinion, that is a wide receiver, a player one of their position is Travis Kelsey. Right. So how do, how do we as a fantasy community say, oh, against a 12-team league with my wide receivers twos and, and crew, I'm bringing home the shit. I, I, I just I have a hard time just believing that. And I'm just disparaging your thing. And maybe I'm just a little bit more cynical when it comes to teams. But I can just, like at first glance, if I were to take this over, I would say I'm not winning the championship. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not winning the championship, then what am I doing here? I don't want to just float through this league. Gotcha. Yeah. But to dispute that point a little, um, we're not in the season yet. So to me, Mike Evans is still going to be a wide receiver one until proven not. And that doesn't mean that I'm saying he's going to finish. But what that does mean is that I think that Keenan Allen and Devontae Adams are going to finish as a wide receiver one next year. So where Mike Evans might not be a wide receiver one on your roster, he is a quick flip for me right now to Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen who are still being but dispute my point just a little bit that you can still turn that roster around if you make some moves with the value that we've talked about the whole time. Right now, all I'm saying is get the feel for the league and that's that's what I just said. Get the feel for the league. Yeah. Then after that, if you feel like you can't take those guys and flip them. But we all forget too. And you know, you're like, well, Mike Evans, Mike Evans has been a wide receiver one that one year. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm sorry. 2014, he was wide receiver 10. 2015, he was wide receiver 27. So, I mean, I, I have a hard time just immediately assuming that Mike Evans is wide receiver one. And that may be hot, but I'm, I'm sorry. I'm once again, I'm looking at the data and it's showing me otherwise. And, no, and so that, that's, so, yeah, okay, if I can take, let's suppose I can take Mike Evans and flip him for a Keenan Allen exactly. uh, or a Devontae Adams, sure. But what I'm saying to you is 
<clears throat> get a feel. I'm not saying give up. Just look at the team and say, no, I'm out. Well, what I'm saying is, is, is try to poke it out. But if that's not happening, so I guess it's a combination of our strategies. Try to find that production. <laughs> but if you are in a league with some top-notch contenders, some people that really know their dynasty, people that listen to a bunch of podcasts and they know value and they know what you're trying to do and they see it, then at that point, if you're not getting the value in the production that you need out of your players, then the, then punt and the punt and then that's step two and step two is punt for next year's first mm-hmm. and then make out like a king. Yeah. So that, that would be my strategy. Figure out what, what, what who you're playing with and then go from there. And oh. we could probably dispute this forever, but before I kick it to Chris to finish this off, I just wanted to add that we are with those savvy owners in, in the leagues and it does get very tough. I've experienced that learning curve this year. I got rid of all my leagues when I went on deployment last year, came back in this year, uh, started writing for Dynasty a Happy Hour and then fan leagues with these awesome owners. But what I found is that there's guys that like guys. So, like, I'm trying to use the same thing to reference over and over is that, that situation, because I agree it's a situation, just like you said, Tyler, is that you're going to find somebody that values Mike Evans over Keenan Allen, uh, Mike Evans over Devontae Adams. But just because ADP says that Mike Evans is higher than them, I have no problem flipping him straight up for either of those. Actually, I advise flipping him for either of those straight up just because you can feel more comfortable with the other two, in my opinion. So I completely agree with you where you got to come in and you got to say, that's not my wide receiver one or then that's not my running back one. But to somebody else, it might be. So that's the only thing I wanted to add there at the end before you kick us off, Chris. No, and I I definitely appreciate both of you guys' comments. And I think that, I mean, taking a harder look than what I had originally, like a casual glance from my perspective, was like, okay, see, I've got some pieces. I've got some big names. But again, like you were preaching, Tyler, looking at the data, what value does Mike Evans truly hold? And trying to get back, you know, trying to get a, take a deeper look at it is something that I think that as a dynasty owner we need to do and actually really think about how much value does each of our pieces hold or each of our assets hold and how does that make up a, a championship team. So totally valid points from both of you guys and I appreciate you guys taking a look at it. And hopefully folks that, that are listening, they can get a better idea for let's say a practical approach to their rosters as they take over different, uh, you know, different orphans or things of that nature. Uh, so wrapping up again, thank you, Tyler, for your time this evening. And before we get you out of here, we wanted to give you a chance to talk about any upcoming projects that you might have going on with either uh, the podcast or uh, the, the website or whatever's going on right now with you. Yeah. So um, you can follow us at F3 pod and just kind of keep us you know, going. Uh, but we, we are doing the website and doing all those things, you know, and, and on top of that, we are, <clears throat> we are actually moving to go into two podcasts a week when the season starts. And also this summer, we, you need to check it out. We will be on YouTube at some point. Uh, we are going, we are actually finishing building a studio. We actually, we bought a couch. We built a table. We're putting up drywall and, uh, flat screen TV and, the whole nine. We're not, we're not doing it fake. We're doing it real because luckily me and all my co-hosts live, uh, 15 minutes from each other. So it is something that's super nice and I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think that we're going to offer something that 
most fantasy football podcasts can't. And it's not because they're bad. It's not because they have bad information. It's just because of location and, you know, distances and stuff like that. So we're excited that we're all friends and able to do that. On top of that, uh, I've been working with Addison here recently. I came across this idea. Once again, I'm just thinking about things a little different. And I'm sure maybe some other people have, have done this in the past. So I don't want to claim complete ownership, but looking at with running backs, a lot of times we talk about points per carry. We talk about how many points they got per carry or yards per carry. But with wide receivers, a lot of times we look at uh, points per reception or, or yards per reception. But the problem I have with that is that for a running back, they can get a carry and immediately fall down. Let's say it was a missed trip or they run into a guard who wasn't blocking correctly. And that counts as a carry for them. But yet when we talk about with a wide receiver and let's say they miss a ball or a ball is improperly thrown to them, we don't talk about that. And so what I'm doing is I'm actually showing what does it, we're looking at these graphs of looking at points per target, not necessarily points per reception. So how many fantasy points does a player get per target they see? And that's important because we can see is a player getting better or is their quarterback getting better with their targets? And so you can see lines of regression or lines of progression. And so I think that's important because you can start seeing who's getting better at being a wide receiver or who is just staying the same, that they're basically dependent on their targets. So Mike Evans was a great example. The reason why he did so well that year was because he saw 176 targets. If you look at his points per target, he hovers around 1.5 every year he has played, every year. So what that lets me know is that his points per target, his fantasy points are 100%. Well, not 100%, but a, there's a strong correlation between his fantasy points and his targets. Well, that's for every uh, wide receiver, yes. But who is making the most out of their opportunity? Although they may not have a lot of opportunity, who is making the most of that opportunity? One of those, one of the great people would be like Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster, although not getting as many targets as, let's say, Antonio Brown, made a lot of opportunity out of those targets. And I think that's the reason for his hype. So I think this is going to let us see a lot more opportunity versus production. And then once you have that, you can start making projections as to what that person will do because you can see, hey, this is kind of what they average out of points per target. Now, how many targets do I think that they're actually going to get? And I can get a good baseline of what, how many fantasy points this player will end with. And I think that's something that we don't talk about enough. And I think I'm just, once again, it's just another piece. I don't think that this is the end all be all, but I think it's going to help people that do wide receiver productions. And I think too that it's, it changes our mindset and do every single time the ball is thrown to that wide receiver, it is it is an opportunity. And what do they do with that opportunity? And you and I'll, I'll say that to some people, and they'll say, well, the quarterback. The quarterback's a big play of that. Just the same way an O-line is a big play for a running back. It's the same deal. Sure. If a running back is having a hard time make, hitting those holes because the holes aren't there because of the O-line, then he has a low point per carry or yards per carry. So, yes, they are not, I mean, there's two variables in that. But for the most part, you can see um, that, you know, sometimes the quarterback gets better, sometimes they get worse. Um, looking at Jameis Winston, 
Um, one would argue because of, you know, the points per target that Mike Evans is getting, he's not getting better. At least he's not getting better at targeting Mike Evans. Or maybe Mike Evans just isn't progressing as a player. I, I don't know. I, you can figure that out for yourself. But once again, it's just another piece. It's something to think about. And we're going to put it on FF statistics. And you can just click and you can start comparing players of who does, who's been doing the best, who's progressing, who's regressing. I think that's just important information. No, and that's huge, and definitely looking forward to checking that out. Uh, so, folks, I'm hoping that you guys, if you're not already following Tyler, uh, please go and follow either him, Tyler Gee NFL. Is that the correct Twitter handle? Yes, sir. All right, and then uh, follow him, and then also follow the F3 pod. Uh, so, again, thank you again, Tyler, for taking taking the time out uh, this evening to talk with us. Uh, Adam, man, what you got going on? Yeah, so thank you all for coming, and thank you so much, Tyler, for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. Um, please remember to like, subscribe, rate, review, follow us at Dynasty Manual on Twitter. And don't forget, we're partnering with FF Statistics and Addison Hayes. So look for us on the site soon. Also going to be appearing for the show's behalf on Blueprint next week, the Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. So very excited to put that out and definitely tune in. Already know you will be. Everybody's listening to the show. But once again, we really appreciate you guys listening in. Yeah, that's huge, man. And congrats on getting the invite. I can't wait to check out that uh, that particular episode. So, again, thanks again for checking out our episode here, and we'll catch you all next week. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic. Owner's manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic.